Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Oh, hallelujah. Good morning. Isn't that just such a sweet, gentle spirit that we have this morning? I just want to sit here for a second and just think about the fact that God is in this place. All right? I've already preached the 8 o'clock service. I've already had my practice round. Okay? But God is in this place. Now, God was in the place in the 8 o'clock service. But let me just tell you, the spirit that's in this place right now is so sweet. And it's just so special that I want us to be able to just soak it in for just a second before I get into preach. So if you mind, let's just close our eyes for a second. And let's just begin to give God praise in our own way. And let's just begin to say, God, thank you. Again, just to say, God, prepare my heart, prepare my mind for what's about to be spoken. Because I can tell you right now, we are going to have altar time. We are going to have time where these altars are open. And I, I want you to be able to feel comfortable to come down to these altars this afternoon when we get done. Because even though worship and the music's done and we're about to start the message, God's presence isn't gone. And he's not done. And let's prepare ourselves for what he has in store this morning. Jesus, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, God. We just love you and we lift you up and we give you praise and honor and glory this morning. I pray that, Lord Jesus, you will push me out of the way. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just begin to take over, that you'll be the steering wheel for the rest of this morning that you have planned. God, I can sit here and plan us all out. I can sit here and have all these notes, but God, it doesn't matter if you have a different agenda. And I pray, God, that you will begin to just use me as a broken vessel to speak to the congregation this morning, to speak to those watching online. So God, we can just begin to receive what you have for us. Prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, God, because we are expecting a breakthrough today. We are expecting time in the altars. We are expecting your Holy Spirit to wrap us up and make us whole again. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen, amen and amen. So as you know, Pastor Marsha are suffering for Jesus in Hawaii. Um, they actually will be making their way back home. I believe today is when they start flying um, back. I think they come in like in the early hours tomorrow morning or something like that. So no calling him or nothing. Let him sleep, okay? But if we know our pastor, he's going to be here probably tomorrow afternoon um, or Tuesday morning because the man, he can't be away for long, you know. Um, but they've been suffering, right? They've been suffering for Jesus. Now, when we say that, we say that in jest, but let's just think about the word suffering for a second, like, suffering is not something that we should want on anybody. And it's definitely not something anybody wants to go through or deal with. And can I encourage you this morning? Um, if you're going through suffering, then this message is for you because we're in the same boat, okay? Now, some of you, you might have experienced suffering or brokenness in a way where maybe, um, for instance, maybe you've lost a job and you suffered the hardships that come with that, financial hardships. Maybe some of you haven't lost the job, but you're still suffering from financial hardships because the job can't pay your bills. Um, I've been there, done that before. You know, you work minimum wage jobs just to make the ends meet, and sometimes it's like, okay, ramen noodles, yes. Um, actually, I don't even like ramen noodles, I'm not gonna be honest. I'm just like, mm, I like bean and bacon soup. I'm just saying, I like that, that's good. Um, but you suffer hardships, or maybe you suffered the loss of a loved one. 
Um, I can honestly say that it feels like every time I turn around, we are losing another saint and we're having another funeral and a celebration of life. And if you've ever lost a loved one that was really close to you, it can be heartbreaking. It can be a, a time of brokenness and, and you can be suffering just that loss of not having them there with you anymore. Maybe some of you have suffered the diagnosis from a doctor that you never thought you were going to hear. Maybe you were given a, a, a diagnosis that you were like, oh my gosh, I would never thought I would hear this. And now you're dreading all the treatments and all the stuff that's to come. Or maybe you're waiting for that doctor's appointment to get the answers that you've been looking for and you're suffering through the pain until you can get those answers. Maybe some of you have suffered a broken marriage. Or maybe you've even suffered like the loss of a child or maybe like the, the separation of a child, like the prodigal children, they leave and you pray for them to come back and you just as a parent are suffering, waiting for them to come back to the Lord and come back to you. So suffering, even though we joke around and say suffering for Jesus, um, suffering is not something that we really enjoy going through. And suffering is definitely not something that I would want to wish on even my worst enemies because let's be honest, suffering is not fun. But if we could be completely honest, we are all going to face suffering in some form or fashion in our lives. If you haven't had any suffering in your life, I need to come like rub off on you because like I don't know how you've managed to get through this life so far. I don't know how you managed to get through COVID and not suffer, even if it was just suffering being stuck at home with your children for, for three months because they canceled school. Um, I am not a stay-at-home mom. I'm just going to put that out there. So when COVID hit, I was like, no, I'm stuck at home. Oh, my gosh. We made it happen. I had a garden for a minute. It's dead now. But, you know, it happened. <laughs> But let's think about this for a second. We're gonna deal with suffering. It's just, it is what it is. And life is gonna be full of it. And you're gonna have so much that you're just like, how do I deal with this? And honestly, let's think about this. How, how do you respond? How do Christians respond when you deal with suffering and brokenness? I mean, are you gonna be that kind of person that you get angry? You get angry at the person that hurt you? Um, do you get, are you the kind of angry person that you break things or break faces? Um, no, I'm just kidding. We don't break faces. But I mean, do you, do you like punch holes in the wall? Do you shout? Um, or maybe you shout to God because you're angry at God. Like, why God? Why is this happening? Um, I'm an angry person. Um, the teenagers, I tell them all the time I don't show my emotions because I won't cry in front of them most of the time because I'm not a crier. But they're like, oh, no, Pastor Amanda, you show your emotions. You, you angry. I was like, oh, you know, I just put the fear of the Lord in them. But, I mean, let's be honest. Like, I'm an angry person. I like to, I, I get, I just, I want to ball up my fist and punch something. I haven't gone to jail yet or anything. Don't worry. I haven't had domestic violence or nothing. Don't, don't worry about that. Um, but it's like, I just, I, that's my response to, to brokenness and suffering is I just get angry. I want to ball up my fist. I want to break something. Um, some of you may be the opposite. You don't want to have this big outrage, but instead you want to curl up in a ball. And maybe you kind of get into a depression and you begin to just think, oh my goodness, like what am I going to do? How am I going to overcome this? I don't know. And like you just begin to just turn away from your friends and you isolate yourself. I mean, that's perfectly normal too. Like those are two different responses. Or maybe some of you, you just throw your hands up and say, I give up. I'm done. I'll never see the light at the end of the tunnel. And you just accept the suffering and you just sit there in bitterness because nothing has helped you and you can't get over it. Or maybe some of you, you just crumble into a bunch of broken pieces waiting for God to put you back together again. 
And if I could be completely honest, before I jump into this, I just wanna say that I am by no means an expert, but I can tell you that what I'm about to speak to you today has come from personal experience and my personal time with God over the last several months. Because let me tell you, God is good. And even though we're going through stuff, God is still there all the time. Um, I stand before you today in a season of brokenness. I am broken. Now, how I got broken doesn't matter. The circumstances behind it doesn't matter. But I stand before you today like this bowl of broken glass. I am broken. On Sunday mornings, I might smile, and you might ask me if I'm doing good, and I'm like, yeah, I'm doing good. That's a broken smile. I'm just being completely honest. It's a broken smile. On Sunday mornings when I get up here and I'm like, good morning, welcome to Oxford City of God, da 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 It might be energetic and charismatic, but let me just tell you, it's taken all that I can to show up and pretend to be whole when really I am broken. I am so broken. But can I also tell you that though I'm in this season of brokenness, and I feel like this bowl a lot of the times, I have hope because I know that God's taken this broken person, these broken pieces, and he's gonna turn me into something more beautiful. He's gonna turn me into something that's stronger and better than what I was when before I was broken. Now in 2022, I experienced brokenness through ministry. Now let's be honest, ministry is amazing. I love my calling, but ministry is taxing. You guys, I love you, but you're taxing. Teenagers are taxing. I mean, let's just be honest. Okay, you pour your heart and love into them and you invest in them and they break your heart all the time. And I'm in a season of brokenness. And so when 2023 rolled around, I was like, I gotta do something different. I gotta do something different. Like, I have friends and they're praying for me and they love me, but they can't fix me. I can read all the self-help books or whatever and try to figure out how to get over this, but that can't fix me. Have an amazing husband who I love, who's supposed to be my rock on this side of heaven, but he can't fix me. And I realize only God can fix me. Only God. So as I started 2023, I started with the Daniel fast. Because I really felt like God was like, Amanda, you need to fast, and you need to seek my face, and you need to seek me. Now, for those of you who don't know what the Daniel fast is, it is typically a 21-day fast that focuses on eating just fruits, vegetables, and water. Yeah, you heard that. There's no meat. There's no sugar. There's no carbs. There's no coffee. All right? For those of you who really know me, you know I hate vegetables, unless they're fried. You can't have fried vegetables on the fast either. It's gotta be healthy. Miss Marsh is always like, you need a salad. I'm like, I don't want a salad. You know, I'm a youth pastor. We eat pizza and chicken tenders, you know? I mean, that's, that's my diet. Like, that's all I want, all I need. But anywho, Red Bulls, I mean, that's what we live off of. Coffee in the morning. But for 21 days, God's like, no, Amanda, you're gonna live off of just the bare minimum because you're gonna live off of my word. And let me tell you, I had the resolve to see it done. And really and truly, it wasn't that hard. I lived off of rice and beans, because that's allowed, by the way. Um, look it up, there's a lot of things. Uh, vegan bars, all, they're just crazy stuff. You can do all the weird stuff. But I, I did it because I had this resolve to do it. And I felt like God told me, okay, start a chronological reading plan. So I did. 
And if you've ever done a chronological reading plan, what you may find is they will put Job right in the middle of Genesis. So like if, whether you believe that belongs there or not, well, sure, whatever, this is what was there and this is what God knew I needed to hear. Now, if you've never read the book of Job, it's 42 chapters. I've read it before. I read it when I was in high school, true story. Um, in 10th grade, I had an English professor, well, a professor, high school, they're not professors, had an English teacher who started like using Job in the, in the classroom and he was using it wrong and I'm like, um, you're wrong. <laughs> And so he's like, well, prove it to me. So of course I went home and read all 42 chapters and then went back and argued because that's what you do, you know, especially as a teenager, they like to argue. I would know. Some of you, I think, are still teenagers. But it's one of those things where I read it and I've read it before. But in this season of brokenness, God knew that I needed to read the book of Job. He knew that I needed to read this. And it really just ministered to my heart during this season. So today, we're going to go through the book of Job. And I know it's 42 chapters. No, I'm not going to sit here and read all 42 chapters. But I just want to really quickly go through some of the main things that we can learn from Job during this season. So if you have your Bibles, or if you got your phones and you got the Bible app, turn with me to Job. And we're going to start at the very beginning with Job chapter 1. And it says who Job was. It starts off with this. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of us. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. Now Job was a good man. And because he was a good man, the accuser steps in the scene. And the accuser goes into God's presence and he's like, hey God, you know, you see Job down there and he's this righteous man, but he only worships you because you've blessed him with all these things. And so God's like, no, he's a good man. And Job, or the accuser goes, no, let me, let me take away all of his blessings. Let me take away his family and his, his possessions and even mess with his health. And I'm sure he will denounce you. And God's like, okay, I will allow you to take away those things, but do not harm him. And of course, let that sink in for a second. God allowed it. A lot of times, God allows our suffering, but he doesn't cause it. Okay, let me say it again. Sometimes God allows us to go through suffering, but he doesn't always cause it. And it's something for us to think about the fact that Job was this righteous man, and God knew he was a good man, and God knew that through the suffering, though he was allowing it, he knew Job, through the end, would have a stronger faith, that it would be a test of his faith, but he would be a stronger person because of it. And through the brokenness, God knew that Job would be made a whole again, even when everything was stripped from him. And that's what the enemy did. The enemy stripped his possessions. He's, he, he killed off all of his kids, and he even physically like cause sores and different things and mess with Job's health. Let me, let me say this and let this sink in. Ultimate faith is not proven by escaping the difficulties and pains in life, okay? Instead, it is demonstrated by depending on God through the pain. Let me say that again. Ultimate faith is not proven by escaping difficulty and pain, but rather, it is demonstrating by depending on God through the pain. So can I encourage you this morning that when you stay faithful to God through the brokenness and through the suffering, that that's gonna be the ultimate expression of ultimate faith because we're trusting on God. We're trusting God to get us through everything. 
And let me tell you, it's been fun for me, not really, but it's, it's definitely something that I'm having to do every single day during the season of brokenness is to trust in God. So as we're reading the story of Job, and Job's had all these things taken from him. Like I said, all of his children, dead. His livestock, raided and stolen, gone. His physical health, gone. But this is what he does. And if you'll turn just a few verses down, I'm still in chapter one, but we're gonna read verses 20 and 21. This is what Job did. It says in verse 20, Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. And he said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord had gave me what I had and the Lord will take it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Y'all, Job worshiped. He worshiped in the midst of his suffering. Now how many of you can say that you, you're gonna worship when you're in the midst of suffering? Let's be honest. A lot of times we do those other things that I said in the beginning. When you're suffering, you wanna punch something, you wanna punch the wall, or maybe you wanna just curl up in a ball and, and cry yourself to sleep. But Job, Job worshiped. Now we read the story of Job, and we also see that his friends came and they came to console him and to help him get through this, this time. And let's be honest, they were trying to be good and had good intentions, but ultimately what they ended up doing is they ended up accusing Job of committing some sin. They're like, Job, surely you're suffering because of some sin you committed, so you just need to ask God for forgiveness. Can I just interject right here for a second? Not all suffering is a result of sin. Can I just put that out there? We see in this story that things happened to Job that wasn't a result of his sin. Now, he was not a sinless man. The only sinless man that walked this earth was Jesus. He was not a sinless man. But in this moment, God had allowed this suffering, allowed this pain because, again, he was gonna be a testing of his faith. And he knew Job was gonna come out stronger. Can you agree with me that bad things happen to good people sometimes? And good things happen to bad people? You wonder what, like, well, but it just does. But that doesn't change the fact that God can use those bad things to make us stronger. God can use that brokenness, these broken pieces to make us stronger. So Job, every time his friends would like have some speech to be like, you know, you should just you know, ask for forgiveness, Job would defend himself and he would, he would fight off every accusation and he'd be like, look, that, that's not the case. And when we, we look at Job, we look at this man who's desperately looking for God and asking him, why? So, I don't know about you, but I'm a why person, okay? Like, you can tell me the what to do and the how to do it, but if you don't tell me the why, I'm gonna question you. I just because I wanna know why. Because when you start with why, it's a lot easier to do the how and the what. Let's just be honest, think about that for a second. If you start with the why, then it puts in perspective why it's so important that it gets done the right way and how you do it and all that kind of stuff. I'm a why person. And we look and Job is asking why. If you flip over to chapter 10 of Job, this is what he says in verses two and three. He says, God, I will say to God, don't simply condemn me. Tell me the charge you're bringing against me. What do you gain by oppressing me? Why, 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 why do you reject me, the work of your own hands, while smiling on the schemes of the wicked? Job desperately looked for the why. He's always asking why. I'm always asking why. But can I tell you today, church, God doesn't owe you the answer to the why. And that hurts. For somebody like me who needs the why in a lot of things, 
God doesn't owe you the why. And can I also encourage you, don't get bitter because you're searching for the why and God's not giving it to you. You know, don't get in that bitterness because you're like, I deserve it. No, you don't. When you go to heaven, maybe you can ask God why. He might tell you then. I don't know. But ultimately, what you can do instead of getting bitter looking for the why, you can say, God, how can I use this to be better? How can I use this to, to help me to be the person you want me to be? And use it for growth. Okay? So Job... He's looking for God. I mean, he's searching for God. And through his conversations with his friends, he realizes, hey, I gotta, I'm looking for God. You even see it if we flip over to chapter 19 in verses 25 and 27. Oh, nope, just kidding. That's too far. Um, where is it? I missed it. I missed it. No, 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 no. Oh, well, yes, Job 19. That's it. I'll get it there in a second. I'm sorry. But Job 19, you know, he's trying to figure out, like, God, like, what's going on? But he knows during this trial that God's still there for him. And he says in chapter 19, verses 25 and 27, he says, but as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. Listen to that again. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives and he will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body, I will see God. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes. I am overwhelmed at the thought. Can you imagine that? Despite the pain that you're in, despite all the suffering you're dealing with and the brokenness that you're dealing with, you still desire to seek God and you still hold on to the truth that he is your redeemer. Y'all, we serve a God that's a good God. We serve a God that loves you. He's not a God that sits up there like some diabolical genius, like, gonna watch him suffer, you know? He's not, no. Our God's a personal God. Our God loves us. He sent his son because he loves us. He sent his son to die on the cross for every single one of you. He knows you by name. That's how amazing our God is. So yes, you're going through sorrows, you're going through suffering, you're going through brokenness, but can I tell you this morning that God loves you and we need to always hold on to the fact that he is our redeemer and that one day we will see him face to face if we hold true to his word. And to go to the scripture I was trying to say, Job 23, we see that Job was looking for God. He was searching everywhere for him. So Job 23, it says this in verses 8 through 12. He goes, I go east, but he is not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north, for he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. But he knows where I am. <laughs> Listen to that. He knows where I'm going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure gold. For I have stayed on God's paths. I have followed his ways and not turned aside. I have not departed from his commands, but have treasured his words more than daily food. Church, can we use that, that passage alone to help us know how to get through suffering? I mean, can we not sit here and say, God, I'm going to trust you. God, when I'm tested, I know that I'm going to stay on your path. I'm going to stay, you know, in your word. Can we sit here and say, God, I'm not going to depart from your commands. I'm going to hold true to it. Even through the trials, even through the suffering, I'm going to hold true to it. Can we sit here and be like so hungry for God's word that we want it more than food? Y'all, during my 21-day fast, I wanted a burger. Y'all, I love my husband, but he baked more than ever. Like he, the whole house smells like muffins and cookies and brownie. Like literally it's day 20 and he's making cookies at 9 p.m. I'm like, are you serious right now? Okay. But let me tell you something. 
I was hungry for God's word. I was so hungry for God's word. Like I bought me a note-taking Bible and if you were to come up here today after service and look at what I've been doing to the chronological reading plan, you will see highlights and notes and all these things because I'm hungry. I want this to sustain me. I need this to sustain me. I can't rely on my friends. I love my friends, but I can't rely on them. I need God's word. And we read through the book of Job. Again, that was chapter 23. There's several more chapters, okay? But at the end, God shows up. God shows up. And he actually, you hear his voice talking about what Lee said about, you know, having a conversation. God has a conversation with Job. And of course, God rebukes his friends, okay? Because his friends, you know, twisted scripture, different things, but he rebukes the friends. But then he looks at Job, he, he questions Job a little bit, but he knew Job's heart. And ultimately, in the end, Job's like, look, God, I give it all to you. It's all you. And God blesses him twice the amount that he had that he lost. Twice. He had twice the amount of kids, twice the amount of possessions. I mean, think about that for a second. Job went through all of that, maintained his faith, and God restored not just what was broken, but gave him more. So what can we gain from this story of Job's suffering? What can we gain from this brokenness? Well, ultimately, number one, when you feel utterly broken, turn and worship God. Can you turn and worship God? During this season of brokenness, I have listened to so much worship music. I have it playing in my office. I have it playing in my car. I've got my headphones on. You know, I just, I've been trying to worship. Like I said, I've been trying to read and study God's word. I've been reading tons of books just because, you know, I want God's word, but I'm reading other things to supplement and to help me understand. Because how many of you know it's like Greek reading this? Unless you're in the Old Testament, it's like Hebrew and Aramaic. Uh, for those who know the Bible was written in Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. But I'm looking and I'm like, God, I want to worship you. Worship God, despite the pain and suffering. I'm going to tell you right now, during the season of brokenness, I have never blamed God. Because I know God's not the one that's at fault. I know he's got a better plan. I don't, I'm not angry at God. But I am hopeful. And I worship him. Point number two that we can learn from Job is be careful who you take your advice from. Be careful who you take your counsel from. We have some good friends in our lives. I'm not going to take that away, but just be careful because sometimes people just, they don't speak the complete truth or they assume a lot of things. One thing I loved, and I wish I had wrote it down, it's in my Bible somewhere, I wrote it in here, but a lot of times we can't understand people's pain unless we walk through it with them, you know? So don't like be, don't be assuming that you know everything that they're going through. Just, you know, sit there, listen, love them, you know, hug them, do whatever. Can I say during this season, I've had great friends that have loved on me and have been praying for me, that are still praying for me. Um, and I'm so thankful for their friendship. I'm thankful for my husband, even though he baked cookies while I'm fasting. And by you ask, a lot of people, so I wasn't, fasting's not a diet, but that is a byproduct. So yes, I lost weight because of the fast. And so none of my pants fit this morning. So I'm thankful they haven't fallen off yet. Um, so I almost wore jeans because I didn't have like pants, but I thought I had an adult today, so I wore dress pants. But um, I have a belt, thank God. But let me tell you, I gotta go shopping because Lee, you're talking about dieting and stuff, going to fast might help you avoid the cheesecake, just saying. Um, but let me tell you, it's definitely something that having the friends, having my husband, being there, it's been great. 
And as much as I love them, my one true friend is God. My best friend is going to be God. And he's the one that's going to give me the wisdom that I need, that I'm looking for. His word is what's going to give me what I need. So be careful who you turn to. You know, be careful to what, you know, famous preacher that you turn to. You know, they might say great things, but just always filter it through the word of God yourself, okay? Always look at that and look at God's word and say, okay, God, how can I, how can I get through this? Because let me tell you, through difficult times, we can develop a closer relationship with God. We really can. And ultimately, if we push through and seek God, he is going to meet us and it is going to be amazing. The last thing that we can learn from Job's story is trust God to restore what was lost and broken. Like we saw in his story, God made it better. So I am not a potter. I actually hate clay. In middle school, in art class, I'll never forget having to make some clay something or another, and I just, I was no good. I mean, I just didn't like clay, nothing. But I've done my research on, you know, clay and pottery, and here's what I've learned. A lot of times, a good potter will actually take the broken pieces from old pots, and they'll smash them down into a dust, and they'll take those, that dust and they'll put it in the new clay that they're working with. And what ends up happening is the new creation that they're working with ends up being stronger. It can withstand higher fires, like hotter fires. And when it's glazed, oftentimes you can see a little bit of those old specks and they just shine through so much more beautifully than when it was when it was originally just broken up in bitter pieces of glass. Think about that for a second. When you look at a broken piece of pottery and you look at it in comparison to your life, I mean, it can look like it's nothing more than just these little shards right here. And you may think this, this, it's hopeless, it's irreparable, it never is gonna be amount to anything. But can I, can I tell you that God can do something with this? Some of us, and I'm guilty of this from time to time, we will hold on to the broken pieces and we'll hold on to it so tight that we end up cutting ourselves in the process. We end up hurting ourselves even more trying to hold on to the brokenness than if we were just to surrender it at the cross and let God deal with it and make us into something new. If I can have Miss Cindy come up and play something, I wanted to close with this. So during this season, as I'm going through this brokenness and as I'm trying to figure out everything, this is the image that God keeps putting in my head. And of course, I wanted to make it so pretty for you guys this morning, but of course, you know how God is, you know, you've got this image and sometimes you can't put it in complete words or in complete picture perfect imagery for everybody. But I imagine myself like a cup, okay? This is just a boring, plain cup, all right? But it has a purpose, okay? So I felt like, okay, I'm in this season and I was living my life, doing my purpose, serving in ministry. And I was just playing nothing special, just living my life. But then what happened is while, while doing my purpose, while doing what I was called to do, I felt brokenness. And what ends up happening is I'm still trying to do my ministry. I'm still trying to fulfill the purpose that God has for me, but ultimately, I'm broken. And I could sit here and I could turn it this way and y'all can think I'm whole. You might see some cracks where I've glued it. And you might think that I look whole and I look fine. But in truth, I am so broken 
Have anybody tried drinking coffee out of a broken cup? Doesn't go well. And it's kind of silly because a broken cup was not meant to do that. And I felt God saying, Amanda, you're not this broken cup. You're not broken. In this moment, yes, you're still dealing with it, but he's like, Amanda, I'm working on making you better. I'm working on making you stronger. I'm working on making you whole and better than you were before. And can I encourage you this morning to really understand that God is wanting to take you from this little thing to this bigger thing. But sometimes you have to go through the brokenness to get to it, okay? Sometimes you have to let these things in life come in and break you so that you can be the bigger, stronger person for God. And that's where I feel like God is taking me. Am I there yet? Am I at this point yet? Nope. This has been, like Lee said, eight, nine months. It's been a long season a long season, but I have turned the chapter into 2023 and I said, God, I'm working on getting to be the bigger whole person because I stand before you broken, but I'm telling you, God is working on making his daughter whole again. And this daughter of the high king is not gonna be satisfied going back to her old self. She's wanting more and she's wanting to be better, not for my sake, not for my name, but for God. I want to be able to point people to God because I want my story and my pain to be able to help somebody who's dealing with pain and suffering. I want people to see and to know that God loves them despite everything they're growing through. And I try to be strong, I do, because it's just, as leaders, a lot of time people think we need to be strong like we gotta be on some pedestal. But can I encourage you, kick the pedestal out from underneath us because we are not anything above you. We are on the same level as you. We are going through the same things as you are. And I'm not strong, I am weak. I am so weak. But I hold on to the scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah 40, 29 says, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. And then of course, during this season, God has put this scripture in my face over and over again. How many of you ever had that where God's always like saying the same thing? But 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and Paul says it so perfectly as he's praying, God, remove the thorn in my flesh. And Jesus says this, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he says, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Today, I boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can move this morning and begin to restore all of you who are broken and going through heartache and suffering. As you walked in this morning, you were given a piece of a piece of ceramic. And some of you may not realize, but you're probably carrying brokenness already. You don't need a piece of ceramic to, to remind you. But that piece of ceramic is supposed to sit there and remind you that, hey, I'm going through something. And can I encourage you? Don't hold on to that piece. Like I said, you can sit here and look at that piece in your hand. Everybody just take it and look at it. And you can look at it and say, wow, this is, I'm never gonna be whole again. Or you can do, like I said, you can hold on to it so tight because you don't wanna let go of it that it ends up hurting you even more. Or, 
you can lay it at the feet of the cross. As a church, we are broken together. Some of you are openly admitted to it. Some of you might not want anybody to know you're broken. But like I said, this passage in 2 Corinthians, we can boast about our weakness because God, Christ can work through us. This morning, I want to worship with you. I want you to worship with me. I want to sing a song, but I don't want to just sing it for the sake of singing it so you can go, well, good job. I probably won't even do it justice to the, to the original song that you hear on the radio. But I want you, as, as we do this song, to look at that peace. And while I'm singing and you're singing and we're worshiping together, come down to this altar and leave the peace in that jar. Because you're gonna see I made this cross, by the way. I took the broken pieces from this pot and I made that cross. Because we are broken together. But I want you to contribute. So if you're willing to allow the brokenness to be laid at the cross, where Jesus himself suffered, think about it. Jesus Christ on the cross, his own words in Matthew 27, 46 says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Even he suffered, but he took our brokenness and through his grace has made us whole. So as we worship together, church, can you bring that piece, drop it in the jar? Because later I'm gonna take all these pieces and I'm gonna make something beautiful out of it. I'm not God, we know that, and I'm not a potter, so it won't be pottery. But I am going to make something beautiful because we are broken together. And through this brokenness, we can come together and we can worship our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. And ultimately through everything that we do, we can point people to Jesus. And when people look at our brokenness, they're not seeing all of this, but they're seeing what God is doing in us. And they're going, I can do it. I can be made whole. I can overcome this. If you will, let's stand together all across this room. Again, I want you to sing, sing this with me, worship with me. Don't, don't let it be just a sing along, but be a worship song. But as I'm singing, don't be afraid to come down to these altars and worship and to lay that brokenness at the cross. Dear Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for everything. And Lord, I pray right now that you will begin to just use, use this time to begin to heal those who are broken. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.